Hello everybody and welcome to episode 8 of the Shiny Bees podcast, Snake Eyes. Today is Thursday the 28th of March and coming up in today's show we have some snaky happenings, a pattern pick and we go to Mapungubwe in the northern province of Limpopo. This episode of the podcast is a little bit more rough and ready in the editing terms than I would normally have liked. However, I was desperate to get something out there and record again and I feel like I've got lots of stuff to tell you about. So I thought I would rather record something and put it out there a little bit, like I said, rougher in the edges than have nothing at all and hopefully work towards getting back to the usual standard in the next episode. As I'm sure you can probably appreciate, having two small children running around making a lot of noise makes it quite difficult to actually find the time to sit down and record and I think I'm going to have to adapt my usual style of kind of as I go along, off the cuff, flying by the seat of my pants to writing everything out and being a bit more organised so that when I do get half an hour to sit down and speak I can just speak rather than thinking about it and mulling it over at the same time. I really hope that doesn't detract from the podcast because I kind of enjoy just doing it off the cuff a bit more and I think it comes across quite naturally and that's the kind of thing I like to listen to and that's what I was aiming for when I was doing it so hopefully I won't turn into a little kind of robot if I do try and organise myself too much. I'm actually quite enjoying being a little bit more organised because you have to be now with two of them rather than be my usual last minute self which I, again I still quite like because it's quite good fun. <laughs> so here is the episode in all its kind of slightly edited glory. I hope you enjoy it and let me know what you think. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 8 of the podcast. It's nice to be back again with you and nice to be back in South Africa after returning back from the UK earlier in the month. Thank you very much for all your lovely wishes regarding the delivery of our new baby. He is here, thankfully. And everything went well with that. He was uh, five days late in the end. And in true style, I decided that if he was going to be late and going to ruin our plans for coming back to South Africa early, because we would have quite liked to have returned early because we were missing uh, the sunshine, I would buy a skein of yarn for every day that he was late, which I did. It wasn't all South African yarn because I was back in the UK. But I did get some Malabrigo from Pearl because it was on sale. So that was, that was lucky at least. And some stuff from the Knitting Goddess. She's a nice lady, isn't she? And also some uh, yarn from Flamboyance because I had a £5 venge that I needed to spend. And after five days of this and uh, a strong gin and tonic, he finally decided uh, once, once the gin and tonic kind of hit my stomach, he thought, if I don't hurry up and get out of here, she's going to spend my entire inheritance on yarn. And he, he made a fairly swift entrance to the world. It was over and done within under two hours, which was nice. And he is a he, he's a boy, and he's called Samuel Douglas, which took us a week to figure out. We don't have a very good history of naming children, and it took us a week to name our other child. And we took her to a happy hour. And she still didn't have a name. So we took her to meet all the neighbours and all my husband's work friends and all, all our other friends. And they asked us what her name was. And we were just sat there going, well, she doesn't really have a name. None of the five or six names we chose for her suited her. So eventually when we got back, we, we gave her a name. 
which was kind of half inspired by one of the names we'd had and half inspired by my mother-in-law who suggested something and and it worked so we we picked that this time it was a little bit more interesting because we had to get him slash her obviously it turned out to be a him a birth certificate and a passport really quickly so we come up with all these names and yet again they didn't suit him so I was very sure that he was a Harry on the first day and he's not he's not a Harry because my mother-in-law referred to him as Harry rather than the baby and I just looked at her with a horrified look going he's not a Harry what we're gonna do he's not a Harry so we ended I ended up narrowing it down to three names with my husband and in the end he had an appointment to go and get a birth certificate so I sent him off with the three names and just said look pick one of the three names while you're there I'm done with this now any of them will do and um, he ended up picking Samuel so that was good luckily the middle names were sorted because it was either going to be named after his grandpa or one of his two grandpas so they were fine but uh, the first name was a problem <laughs> and uh, if we have any more children I don't hold out much hope for them ever getting the name to be frank but uh, there you go you'll be glad to hear that he's not crimping my knitting time too much because I need knitting to calm down with two small children or two children under two is, is, is pretty tricky uh, but he has been crimping the podcasting time a little bit because obviously having a screaming child in the background isn't really conducive to making audio recordings. But he's asleep at the moment and she's at nursery so it should be fairly quiet apart from the odd plane in the background. So while I'm here I have a few shout outs to some of you lovely, lovely people. I would like to offer my congratulations first of all to my knitting bump buddies which is Judith and Claire on the safe arrivals of their little boy and girl, respectively. We have a new club on Twitter, which is the 3am club. That's the hashtag, 3am club. Uh, for all those of you who are awake at 3am feeding your baby. So if you're awake in the middle of the night and you need some entertainment, uh, hashtag 3am club will be there. We're there every night. And Miss Playful, the Green Triangle Girl, has been has been there on the other occasion as well because her... Little playful baby has been waking up. She's four months old now and has completely aggressed in the sleep stakes. So she's been there on the odd evening as well. So it's just a bit of morale, really, if you're awake, so you're not on your own. Also, I'd like to say hello to Yasmin, who's been in touch with me, who's came and visited Limpopo back in the day and went to Toyando, which is a town up in the mountains. It's about an hour away from where I live. So hello to you. Thank you for getting in touch. It was nice chatting to you. And if there's anyone else that I have missed, and it is entirely possible that I have, it's not because I don't like you, it's because I have no capacity at the moment and I've forgotten exactly how long it's been since I've done a podcast and who I've been talking to. So please don't be offended if I don't mention you in this episode. So the more observant, or rather whatever the word is for observant in audio terms amongst you, will have realised this is yet another snake-themed episode. There is a reason for that, and I will give you the jibber-jabber on that now. We have a very large tree in the front garden, which is Billy's tree. It's a camel thorn tree, which are very common in South Africa, and it's one of those kind of typical African trees that you see, for those who aren't familiar, that kind of goes up and then is the canopy of the tree is very flat on top. I shall put a picture in the show notes for those who aren't, aren't with me on that one. And we have one of those in the front garden. The week before last, 
we had a bit of a snake related incident with that tree in particular and it wasn't a billy related snake incident because billy's a pet which is different um but we had in the tree a black mamba snake which are considerably more dangerous than a boomslang i think this this mamba's been around the house for a while because i'm sure i've seen it before and we have a snake man we have about three snake people on kind of speed dial where we live and this one is a snake man that came and he's been before and he told me that this snake that I'd seen was a spotted bush snake which is a green snake a black member is not green it's kind of like a steely dark gray color it's definitely not green and not spotted bush snake green so but because I'm the crazy English lady they just think I don't know what I'm talking about and they're like oh it's just a bush snake and I said no I'm really I'm sure it was a member but because they're quite dangerous snakes, we'd gone in the house that time because it was in the roof of the house under the tiles. You could see it by the back door. So we went in the house to wait for the snake man and by the time obviously he came, which wasn't very long, the snake had gone. This time I was walking to my neighbour's house and we walked past the garage under Billy's lair and across the kind of side garden to her stoop, which is like the, the step, um, the kind of veranda uh, to her house. And I'd walked back to my house to pick something up and gone straight back to hers and as I walked under this tree I felt this horrible feeling that something was looking at me so I turned around and looked up and there was this snake sat in the tree and I thought oh look a snake and then I looked at it a bit more and went oh look a snake and picked up my phone and rang my husband and said can you ring the snake man there's a mamba in the tree and he said to me yeah of course I can I'll ring him now stay away from the snake at which point I went back into my house, went and got the camera and went and stood back under the snake. <laughs> you know, the smartest of things to do, but you know, I never listen to what he says. And also the lady who works at my house, Flora, she came out to have a look at him. And I said, Flora, you mustn't stand so close under the snake because um, the quite dangerous is what I think it is. So we sat there and the... the the snake man came really quickly he was back before my husband was back and I had a look at it and he said oh no it's not a bush snake it might be a female boom slang and I said yeah but its head's the wrong shape and it's it would have just run away well run away it doesn't have legs but slithered away if it was a boom slang because we've had a female boom slang in the tree before and she just went into the garage and that one it's not I said look at its mouth you know because a black member has they call it like a smile of death because its its mouth hinge goes all the way back up in its head and it does look like it's laughing, like an evil grin. Kind of like the Joker, I suppose. And the difference between a mamba, mamba's head and a, a boomslang head is the different shapes and a boomslang has very big eyes and a mamba doesn't have very big eyes. So I was a bit dubious. Anyway, he gets his little grabber out and get some ladders to get this mamba out of the tree and my husband said how will you know whether it's a mamba or not because we couldn't see because it was it's far enough away that you can't see close enough to see it and the snake man said well if it starts to attack the grabber it's a mamba because a boomstone wouldn't do that so he went he goes to grab it and sure enough the snake starts going mental trying to bite the grabber at which point the guy swears or comes up with some kind of, of language in Afrikaans <laughs> and says, yeah, it's a mamba. So 
I was obviously quite pleased at that point that I was right. <laughs> and the crazy English lady was right about it. So he tried to grab it and couldn't. And he has to be quite careful because mambas are very timid snakes, but they won't hesitate to bite you if they are cornered or they feel threatened. And the fact that they are so timid is part of the real problem because they will see a threat in something that isn't necessarily a threat. And if you get basically between them and their exit route or between them and the den, then you're in trouble. So... Anyway, it escaped further up into the tree, so they got an even bigger, longer pole and tried to grab it again. But again, it wasn't really interested. And as this kind of Benny Hill music started to ramp up in the background, the snake went even further up into the tree. This tree's got loads and loads of little twigs in it, so it was very difficult to see the snake. Anyway, in the end, I'd gone in the house with the baby because I thought this is just getting... If it falls out the tree and it's angry and it bites the baby, then we'll know about it. Well, we'd know about it if it bit anyone, really, but you know what I mean. So I thought, better be sensible and go in the house with the baby. And the snake man knocked on the door and he said, yeah, it's escaped into the top of the tree and we can't really reach it now because it's too high up. So the only thing I can do is shoot it. And I think he expected us to say oh, it's okay, just leave it. But we both kind of looked at each other and said, no, you're going to have to shoot it because um, members are also territorial and they have a den that they return to and they also like to bask in the same areas every day. And my um, HBM plays under that tree in a paddling pool. <laughs> and also we park our car under the tree so we don't want a member hanging around in the tree because if we startle it, then it might fall at the tree and bite us, whereas Billy... He wouldn't do that because he knows he's used to us. So I kind of thought he was joking when he said, oh, I'm going to have to shoot it. But he just walked over to his backy, which is um, like a station wagon, a pickup truck, leant into the back of it, picked out his shotgun and shimmied into the bottom of our tree and shot the snake in half, clean in half. I felt really guilty at this point because I don't want it there and really, the only way to get rid of it is to kill it. But I don't want him to kill it while I can see him. I want him to take it away to the bush and kill it. So he shot it in half and the front half of the snake fell out of the tree and hit the floor. And it, it was trying to slither away, but it couldn't because half of its body was missing. <laughs> I felt really sorry for it. And they grabbed it and basically schwacked it over the head a few times until it was it was dead then. And they had to get the other half of the the snake out of the tree which was still moving like a worm does it was really weird but when it was on the floor we, it opened its mouth and we saw all inside its mouth and the reason it's called a black mamba is because inside its mouth is all black so it was really interesting to see it it's the first like, mamba we've seen in in real life although my husband did have a very close encounter with an extremely large egyptian corporate a couple of days before in the nature reserve and it's the weather's changing a bit here at the moment and all the snakes are coming out so the snake must be very busy we'd also had a really really big boom song in the camel thorn tree in the back garden the day before when johannes had been there and he's a gardener and it's very common in south africa to have people working at your house to have a gardener and to have a domestic worker who works in your house which when we first moved here we were quite uncomfortable with the idea because it's just a bit alien to someone in the UK to have someone working in your house as a as a cleaner or have a gardener, unless you're kind of landed gentry. And the thing is here is we're in a very rural area and if we don't 
give them a job, they won't have a job because there is very little employment around. So we kind of took the view that if we don't employ people, then we're not giving them a chance to earn their own money and basically feed their family. So there's Flora who works in the house and she's a really nice lady and she's excellent at spotting snakes as well. And then Johannes works in the garden. Johannes is very, very scared of snakes. And he he knows the boom song's there, but I forbade him from killing it. So there was this enormous boom song in the back garden, and one of the other gardeners was there as well. And he shouts me, and he's like, "Missies, missies, come see the snake!" So I looked, and I could see the snake in the top of the tree, and I could see it was a boom song. And he said, with with great glee, "Can I kill the snake?" And uh, I said, "No, you mustn't kill my snake." And Johannes is basically wringing, you know, his heads in his hands at this point. He's like, "Oh, not again." And um, he said, you want me to leave it? I said, yeah, I want you to leave it. So it's a boom song. I said, I think it's my pet boom song. Just leave it there. Just ignore it. Please don't kill my snake. And clearly this other gardener thought I was absolutely bonkers as well. Because most people say, get rid of it. They just want the snakes gone. So that was the day before. And then this day there was this mamba. And I took great delight in telling Johannes how there'd been a mamba in the tree. And I'd let them kill it. And he was like... Thank you. <laughs> there is a God. She's not completely bonkers. And we decided that we had to cut the tree back because the tree was actually growing quite a long way onto the garage and it's just going to get all kinds of things in there if if we don't. So he took massive delight in hacking my tree to bits. He's like, yes, we must cut it a, a lot, a lot, madame. We must cut it a lot. So I went, I went off to sewing class and came back and he'd, he'd lopped half the tree down and you could tell he was just so excited at the idea that he was getting rid of this tree because if I won't let him kill the snake, he's going to get rid of the tree so the snake won't come back. So yeah, he did a really good job actually. It looks really, really nice now and there's actually some light in the house but um, Billy is going to be furious when he sees what's left of his tree. <laughs> So yeah, it was a pretty exciting one. I have a couple of pictures of, of unfortunately, of half a snake, which I'll, I will put on, on the blog um, show notes as well, so you can see. Like I said, it was very sad that it had to die, but I can't have my children playing under the tree when there's a member, you know, that lives somewhere near there, because it had actually been removed from next door's garden as well a couple of weeks ago, and it seemed to have come back. So that's why this episode is very snake-centric. And so without further ado, we'll go on to the pattern pick. So the pattern pick, I absolutely love doing the pattern pick. I cannot tell you how much fun I have deciding which pattern pick to do and then <laughs> and then researching them. It, it, it is really funny. There are a few that I've got planned in the pipeline thanks to some uh, other recent events that I will share with you in future episodes. I think I will try and do one every episode because I just I really do enjoy them and I'm not picking on the people who've done the patterns at all I'm just having a good laugh along with them because there's some there is a pat there is a pattern for everything on Ravelry it, it cannot be denied. So the pattern pick for this week is snake eyes and again there's a lot of patterns for knitted and crocheted snakes the cuter ones tend to be crocheted, but there are some really impressive knitted ones as well. So the first one I've picked is the Sleepy Snake and Mischievous Mouse by Anna Hrachovec. 
which is published in Mochi Mochi Land and is a $5 pattern. This is really cute. It's this little teeny knitted snake and a little knitted mouse um, that are both wearing a toupee at a wig. <laughs> which I just thought, at what point do you think I'm going to make this, this knitted snake and this mouse? And I can see that because snakes eat mice. But then I'm going to put a little wig on them. <laughs> so I just thought that was really funny. And they're knitted and then felted to, to make the little snake and mouse. It's very cute, so I'll have a quick look at that. The One of the most impressive projects I've found is called Snakes and Ladders by Woolly Thoughts. It is a knitted blanket slash afghan in the design of a Snakes and Ladders board. It's £3.50 it's paid for. And it's made from scraps. You can knit it by hand or you can knit it on a machine and it includes instructions for that as well. And then once you've knitted the squares, you embroider on the numbers. The squares are all garter stitched, so it's quite straightforward to embroider those on. And it's part of a book called Afghan Games, which has got six patterns in it for different um, game boards. And it's got backgammon, chess, drafts, ludo and knots and crosses. It's very cool. Some of it is knitted, some of it is crocheted. But if you're looking for something a little bit different maybe for uh, a blanket pattern for some kiddies or what have you, then I think it would be a really good project to do. The next one I've got is really impressive. It's called Snake in the Grass Socks by Charles D. Gandhi. It's published in The Embellished Sock Knitted Art for the Foot and that is the only way this can be described. It is very swanky. It's very elaborate. It's a green knitted sock which has been embellished with a knitted snake, knitted flowers and some knitted grass. I don't think there is a pattern for it but it definitely is knitted art for the foot. So go and have a look at it because it is quite impressive. I'm really, you know, in awe of the work that's been done on that really. The next one I've got for you is called Snake in the Woods by Shannon Oakey. This is a free Ravelry download pattern for a, a men's cardigan in DK weight yarn. It's very highly textured and it has four snakes up the inside of the button bands. The reason I picked this one is because the gentleman mo gentleman modelling the cardigan is, is Shannon's father. And he is sporting a rather impressive beard. And as we know, lots of knitters also have... A bit of a thing about beards as well. Not me so much, but I know the electric sheep does. Hoxton likes the odd beard or two, so I thought I'd put that one on. He also looks a bit like my friend's dad, who also has a beard, albeit not quite as impressive a beard as, as Shannon's dad does. But if you look at him, he's pulling quite a dodgy look in terms of... You look at me think, I'm not entirely sure what you're thinking about there. And he's hold of this, um, this tree, like a branch... Not branch, a... Uh, uh, What's it called? Trunk. Tree trunk, but it's quite a thin one. And it looks like, you know, maybe he's about to club someone with it or either that or he's hiding from his wife. Um, but yeah, the pattern's quite cool, so go take a look at that. There's also... I was really impressed with this one in terms of its kind of knitted accuracy. And it's called Snake Emerald Tree Boa by Tabitha Rose. She's done a few patterns of different snakes and this was my favourite out of... The collection it is three dollars fifty and it is published in snake realistic snake collection it is downloadable from Ravelry and yeah realistic snake collection kind of covers it because they all look really the patterns on them are very similar to the actual snake skin they're all done in worsted weight and basically color work to to knit the snakes 
You can even put some uh, pipe cleaners in the middle so you can pose them afterwards. They're really good, they're quite clever, so I would have a look at those. Another one that I thought was really great is the Green Titan by Corinne Forkin. I can't read my own writing again. I just get so excited, I scribble things down and then I can't read what I've written. This is a child size green knitted tie snake, snake tie. It's a free pattern and it's modelled by a small child who's playing the violin, oddly enough, with this green tie on. Um, it's very cute, bless him. There's also a picture of him with a knitted bear who's wearing a snake tie as well. <laughs> I, just thought, I just thought it was so cute. You know, there's, there's got to be one kind of sad looking dog or sad looking child <laughs> in the pattern pick. Otherwise, it's just not that funny. And to wrap up, and I will not include this in the, the pattern pit that you can normally go into the Ravelry, into my Ravelry profile and read the sets. I'm not going to put this one in there because it is just going too far. With the thong picks, it's going too far down that route, in my opinion. And this one is called Willie the Tracer Snake by Jenny Love. It is crocheted. And if you don't know what that is, go Ravel it yourself. I think it's fairly self-explanatory. I have no idea why people <laughs> want to crochet things like that, but it was quite cute in a trouser snakey kind of way. So that wraps up the pattern pick for this episode. So this week in the South Africa section, I am taking you back up north again because we've been in Cape Town for quite a lot recently. I think it's time to go back up north for a little while and we will return to Cape Town in future episodes. This week we are going to be talking about Mapungubwe National Park, which is in Limpopo. And I promised to talk about that way back in the day and got completely distracted by Cape Town and the surrounding areas, which I'm sure will please all the Cape Townians no end. Because they don't think anything exists outside of Cape Town. The rest of the country is just Joburg. The National Park is in Limpopo, as I mentioned, and it is situated at the confluence of the Limpopo and the Shashe rivers. And it's also where the borders of South Africa, Zimbabwe and Botswana meet, because the borders are at those rivers. Mapungubwe developed into the largest kingdom in the subcontinent way back in the day, before it was abandoned in the 14th century due to climatic change which made the traditional agricultural practices that were used unworkable. The site was more or less as it was uh, when it was abandoned so as you go there now there's, there's still all the ruins and everything are, are virtually untouched which makes it really important archaeologically for studying the um, the people and the way of life. As such it has UNESCO World Heritage Site status and it's very popular place to visit for people who are interested in archaeology or studying that kind of thing. You can read a lot more about the detail of the history and everything because it is quite in-depth and there's quite a lot of information to it. Probably far more than you will want to hear about here on the UNESCO uh, website which I will link to in the show notes and there are also links from there as well as a lot of other pictures that you can look at too. As I mentioned, Mapungubwe is the most northerly of the South African national parks and like the Kruger and the other national parks in South Africa, you can book accommodation through the Sand Parks website. They are the people who do the main running of the parks. The main camp 
in Mapungubwe's Kolioque, and the camp itself and the rest camps are much, much smaller than the ones you find in the Kruger, and as such, they're much quieter. We think this gives you a bit of a better experience because it can sometimes feel a little bit Butlins-esque, in, especially in the larger camps in the Kruger. There are literally loads of rondevels and loads and loads of people because of that. They have big game in... Uh, sorry, Map and Gubway. <laughs> they have four out of the five big game animals. Uh, they don't have buffalo. As well as lots and lots of different bird life and other animals like giraffes and hyenas and lots of different bockies. The rondevels are also much nicer accommodation-wise than the ones in the Kruger, which are quite are more functional. It's just a round building with an outdoor kitchen and a little uh, bathroom kind of annex attached to it. The rondevels in Mapungubwe have got like a round bit for the dining room living area, another big round bit for the bedroom, a big kitchen and they also have an outdoor shower which is, is really nice because it's always really hot there. Every time we've been it's been extremely hot and it's, the, it's just a much nicer experience because the park is much newer and it isn't used as much. I think there was 15 accommodation um, rondevels in Leoko which is the main camp compared to goodness knows how many you get in the Kruger. It's a lot in the main camps there. You can do all the usual sort of national park activities and go on game drives, etc. and guided walks. We tend to just take our own car because we have small children and we have good air conditioning in the mighty Volvo. And it's just a bit more exciting driving around in your own car, I think, than drive, being driven around by someone else. Albeit you don't get the same sort of level of information that you get from someone else, but you do get to do your own thing which is always good. In the park itself there is a special viewing area that's been built at the confluence that you can go up to and go to four different decks depending on what time of day it is to get the best pictures. There's a really nice view from there and we did take some pictures so I'll put one of those in the show notes too for you. There's also an educational centre there where the, the school kids come to learn about things. In addition there is a treetop walk which we've walked down and it's all kind of up on stilts, a wooden gangway up on stilts and again you can walk out to the edge and see the Limpopo River and as you get out of your car there's a big sign up with the quote from Rudyard Kipling from The Elephant Child about the great grey green greasy Limpopo River. Um, I think it's all set about with fever trees from memory, I haven't written it down and I will put a picture of that. I did take a picture of it because I thought it was quite cool. So I will put that also in the show notes for you to have a quick look at. But I would definitely recommend it if you're in the north of the country or even if you're in southern Botswana to so come and have a look at it, come across the border and see it because the landscape in particular and the rocks and everything are really, really unusual. You almost feel kind of like you're on the surface of the moon. It's just very, it's like nothing I've really ever seen before. So it's really interesting to drive around and look at things. And also it seems like you get a lot closer to the animals here than you do in the Kruger with it being so huge without the massive big tar roads that you get in the Kruger as well. So it's definitely not to be missed if you're in this area of the country. That brings us on to the end of the episode. I hope you have enjoyed listening. Thank you very much for joining me. I've really enjoyed being back and talking to you all again. 
I've got lots of ideas for future upcoming episodes as well as some more South Africans lined up to give you accent junkies your fix of South African accents because mine is terrible. I've lived here for nearly two years and I still cannot do a South African accent which is very disappointing to me. And hopefully in the meantime I won't get savaged by some more wild animals. So, all that remains for me to do is wish you a lovely week, happy crafting, and speak to you all soon. Bye! You've been listening to the Shiny Bees podcast. Show notes for the episode can be found on the Shiny Bees blog at shinybees.wordpress.com where you can leave comments. I'm Shiny Bees on Twitter and Ravelry. We have a Shiny Bees podcast Ravelry group. Or you can contact me on shinybeesinfo at gmail.com. And for those of you that are still listening now, this is like a secret track on an album, but it's not on an album, it's on the podcast. Today is HBM's second birthday, so we would like to wish her happy birthday to you, Madame Britannic Majesty, or as they say in these parts, Lakavijastach. Unfortunately, I can't sing the words to happy birthday in Afrikaans, but there are a couple of versions. They're quite good. Maybe I'll get someone to record them for us so we can play for when it's your birthdays. So for the second time, tot scenes.